With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, early in the third, New Jersey's leading Philadelphia 3-1. Capitals up 1-0 on the Islanders. Sabres and Rangers are tied 1-1. Boston with a 1-0 lead in Pittsburgh. Still no score. Blue Jackets and Red Wings, about 12 and a half to go in the third there. Start of the second period in Chicago. Lightning up 3-2 on the Blackhawks. Early second period, it's 1-1 Panthers and Predators. And about five minutes left in the first Hurricanes and Stars. It is 2-0 for Carolina. Baseball, Blue Jays, Grand Slam earlier from Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's driven in five today. Jays leading the Nationals 7-3. They are in the middle of the sixth. Oilers tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show game at 7 as they once again take on the Winnipeg Jets. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. You can get in touch by calling or texting 780-496-0063. If you use the old phone, you're calling the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. We're going to talk to uh, Anthony Stewart, former NHLer, now an analyst on Sportsnet before 8 o'clock tonight, and we will also have our latest edition of Michael's Minute with Inside Sports Stats Specialist Michael Carsmaker. Okay. Morn says, uh, did the troll who said the Oilers will be eliminated in five games agree to your canned tuna bet? Well, it's canned ham. We could get some tuna too, though. And uh, Morn also replying to the uh, texter who was criticizing Leon Dreisaitl. Morn says that person needs to stop watching the Oilers. Uh, any Oilers fan should be happy to see a good team. I'm 40 years old, and the last 30 years of Oilers hockey has been a lot of losing. DC says, can you tell Kelly Rudy? I think he's a good guest, but sorry, every time we, the Oilers, beat him as a goaltender, I was so happy. Well, I'm sure I, I think Kelly understands that. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I need to specifically tell him, but that's okay. And Louis says, LOL, can't win with Dreisaitl. LOL, what's that guy on? People are comparing McDavid and Crosby defensively. Crosby's a better player, better two-way player, blah, blah, blah. Louis goes on to say, I doubt Crosby was the same two-way player during his 102-point rookie season. It all comes with time. Relax and enjoy what you're seeing. McDavid is something out, is something else. McDavid and Drysettle will grow defensively just like Crosby did. A couple of people texted in about Drysettle's plus minus, which is, you know, a bit of a, I don't know if it's antiquated is the right word. It's not as... Um, it's not as trusted a stat, I guess, as it would have been maybe 20 or 30 years ago. But a couple of people said, well, what about Dreisaitl's plus, plus minus? And that was one of the knocks against him last year for the people who didn't think he should win the uh, Hart Trophy, that it what was he minus two, I think, by the end of the year. Well, this year, Leon Dreisaitl is plus 27, which is second in the NHL to Alec Martinez. 
leads the Canadian division. He's one better than Joel Edmondson, the Canadian's defenseman, who's plus 26, and uh, Darnell Nurse is then plus 25, top three guys in the north. So, yes, if you're asking about Leon's plus minus, if you like that stat, it's good. Rick says, 1960s, 1970s, really? Can your pathetic show deal with what has happened in the last few years, please? You're starting to sound like Bob Stoffer, who is stating stats that most of our generation wonders what W2F the old guy is talking about. That is from Rick. Oh, Rick, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me, Rick. First of all, you spelled Stoffer wrong. You, you want me to go? I can go back further than the 60s, which actually we didn't go back to on the show tonight. But I, I can start, we can go way back. We can start talking about Newsy Lalonde and Joe Malone and goalies playing without masks. And then when there was a Canadian division back, what, in the early 1920s for one year, and we can go back there. Don't, don't tempt me, Rick. You're pushing the wrong buttons on the wrong guy. 7804960063, Robert is on the line. Robert, thanks for calling. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Doing quite well. Uh, you know, I've like uh, I've a couple thoughts on the Oilers. First, I want I want to start by talking about McDavid. It's like I think McDavid this year there's absolutely there's absolutely like it's like it's uh, it's absolutely crazy the numbers he he he's putting up. I mean, 81 points in 46 games. That's I mean, like that's beyond what I could have imagined. But I mean, that being said, I think this year I I think McDavid will get 100 points. I'm not I'm not sure what. I mean, like, I'm not sure if you, uh, I'm not sure if you agree with that, but that's what, uh, that's what I think as far as, uh, as far as that topic goes. And then I, and then I want to touch on a couple other quick points here. I think when it comes to the goaltending, I think, I think we need to bring back Smith. I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, if, 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 if the tandem is Smith and Koskinen next year, or Smith and Stalock or whatever, but I, I mean, uh, Either way, Smith, he's good. You gotta, we gotta get Smith back. And then on defense, I think it's, I think honestly, there's like we can't. I don't think the team has has the cap space to keep all of Larson, Barry, and then Bouchard, and then re-sign Nuge, and all those other deals that that uh, that need to be done. I just, I don't think the, I don't, I don't think the cap space is there. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think Larson might be the priority out of the three guys you mentioned. And I think Nugent Hopkins might be second. Barry might be the lowest priority. Now, we're talking about off-season stuff. We still have to see what happens in the playoffs. But And I wonder, too, if, if Kulikov does well, if he's back on a relatively inexpensive deal, if he and Larson form a good pairing, Bouchard's on the team next year, he and Nurse run the power play, and then that's how you get get away with not having Barry on the team. Barry's a good point producer. Is is he great defensively? No, I get I get the knock on him, but that's kind of who he is and who he's been through most of his career. He's I think he's still helped the team quite a bit this year because they haven't had a player with that dimension for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, we definitely I mean, we definitely haven't had that for a while. I I I definitely I definitely agree with that, but I mean, I'll, honestly, I think I think I think at some point Bouchard will eventually be that guy so i think i think i think we can afford to potentially lose barry that's just that's just my opinion but right. uh, and, uh 
Mm-hmm. Oh, well, like, and I also, I want to touch on the power play real quick. What's our, what are we at? 26 for 26%? Cause, uh, cause I don't yeah, think they scored last night. Uh, where are my notes from yesterday? They were 26.2 going into yesterday. So yeah, I would have dropped just slightly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, that being said, I mean, I think, I think our, I think, I think our power play is to, has still, has still been decent this year. I mean, in the, in the last, like, uh, I think, I think I called in around there, like near, like at the start of the year and said, like, and I was, I was one of the few that, that agreed with you. And you said the power play would be just as good or, or better. I don't, I don't know if, if they can still get there in the last 10 games, but with guys like big David and dry I wouldn't put it past them. But anyway, I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that Reed. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, buddy. That's Robert, 780-496-0063 on the Certainty Hotline. Look, I mean, we can, and I, I get the I, I get the naysayers, I get the people who are worried, I get the people who are don't, well, I don't totally get the people who don't want to be at least a little bit optimistic. I mean, if you're a sports fan, why don't you at least hope for the best or fantasize about the best to some extent? But it, like, we, we all know what it's going to come down to in, in the postseason. It's going to come down largely to goaltending. Look, if if the Oilers play the Jets and the Oilers dominate territorially, but Connor Hellebuck stands on his head, the Jets are probably going to win the series. That's how important goaltending is in hockey. We know that. And without Mike Smith, even in a 6-1 game last night, without him, it could have been 2-0 Jets early in the first period and who knows maybe by the time you get to the third period it's it's uh it's 4-4 with 10 minutes left instead of 6-1 so it's going to come down to goaltending it's going to come down to if the team opposite the Oilers can do something to limit McDavid and Dreisaitl like Montreal has been able to do and then from an Oilers perspective it's it's going to come down to if a depth player or two can step up and contribute whether it's someone with a Pisani-like scoring burst like Fernando had in 2006 or a, a couple of guys uh, all of a sudden start playing better than they did in the regular season and provide a little support to the big guys. I mean, that that's really what it's going to come down to. We're, we're 46 games into the season. We know the strengths. We know the weaknesses. Now, goaltending has turned out to be a bigger strength than I think a lot of us thought it was going to be before the season. But you still worry in a playoff series in a division with Hellebuck and Price specifically. I know the Leafs have their their ups and downs there, but with Hellebuck and Price specifically, could one of those guys steal the series? Luke says, Dry Seidel reminds me of Peter Forsberg, but more talented, we are lucky to have him. Well, that's quite a comparison. Forsberg was an extremely talented player, but yeah, definitely both... Uh, had a lot of power and a lot of skill. By the way, I go. I, I said I'd go back to the 1920s, Kellen. I just checked the 1920-21 NHL season. Ooh! Talk about not playing a lot of games. They only played 24. Wow! Talk about <laughs> playing the same teams over and over again. There were only four teams in the league. That's right. <laughs> I think there was the, supposed to be five, and then one folded before the season started. Is it not? Uh, I can't remember if that year was <laughs> uh, if that was that year or not. But uh, we had the. We had the Ottawa Senators, we had the mm-hmm. Toronto St. Patrick's, mm-hmm. the Montreal Canadiens, and the Hamilton Tigers. 
Auto, they divided the season into two halves, but this is really going to bug. This is really going to bug Rick. We thought I was talking about the sixties and seventies when actually I was <laughs> comparing some numbers from the nineties today. This is, this is really going to bug him. Uh, 19, 2021, they played a 10 game first half of the schedule. They played 14 games in the second half. Ottawa won the first half. Toronto won the second half. So they played for the NHL championship. Mm -hmm. It was not the Stanley cup. Uh, Ottawa won a two game total goal series, seven, nothing. And then Ottawa played the Vancouver millionaires for the Stanley cup. And that the entire series was played in old Denman arena in Vancouver. I remember that well. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was uh, Ottawa winning the best of five series, three games to two, including 2-1 in game five. There we go. <laughs> right on. Cool. <laughs> uh, Mike says, Reed, what is with all the negative Nancys? Did I miss something? The Oilers are doing famously. You didn't miss anything, Mike. It's just humanity. I'm here for you. Don't worry. Seven seventeen. quick timeout, Inside Sports on Chet. Speaking of that 19-20-21 NHL season, it was Newsy Lalonde who was the leading scorer that year for the Montreal Canadiens. He had 43 points in 20. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 24 games. I was talking about points per game earlier in the show. How about that? 43 and 24. 33 of them goals. Pretty good. Doug writes in, he says, I'd like a whole hour on the Montreal Maroons, please. We'll do it. We'll do one hour on the Maroons and then the second hour on Macaroons. It'll kind of be a hybrid show. It'll be it'll be part uh, historical sports, part baking. Does that make sense, Kellen? We could pull that off. Uh, sure. Uh, just let me know when that is, and I'll schedule myself to be off for that night. <laughs> Uh, David says Tyson Berry has made the Oilers a cup contender. You could trade him if you want to go backwards a couple of steps. Thank God Ken Holland is 10 times smarter than you guys. Uh, David, it is it, you wrote then. It's actually than, just if you want to learn a little bit about grammar, T-H-A-N, 10 times smarter than you guys. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine he's probably a better uh, hockey general manager than I would be. But the Tyson Berry, by the way, would would not leave the Oilers through trade in the summer. David, he's an unrestricted free agent, which means he could be offered contracts by other teams and choose to sign with them if he wants to. So that's the scenario I was talking about with Tyson Berry possibly not being on the Oilers next season. Uh, Rocket says, uh, Reed, how much better do you think the Oilers can get if McLeod and Kulikov play like yesterday? Seems like the D aligns better with pairings and the minutes they're going to play now. Yeah, I'm curious to see where McLeod would go. Look, in talking about the the realities of the Oilers and reasons to be optimism uh, optimistic, there are, there are quite a few. Certainly, reasons to be concerned. And I've I've said it this year, and I've, I've said it really for the last few years. 
the Oilers don't have a true third line. I, I think Josh Archibald is a third line NHLer. I think they've been searching for somebody to fill those other two slots. They hoped it was going to be Kyle Turris. I hoped it was going to be Kyle Turris. I thought it might be Kyle Turris. He's now a healthy scratch, only has a couple of goals on the season. So for Ryan McLeod to play there, what is he going to have to do? Well, he's going to have to get involved in the play. He's going to have to win face-offs, and he's going to have to produce some points. I mean, I know that, okay, with depth guys, we'll just try to play even. Sure, but ultimately the really, really successful teams have depth players who still have some skill and who can still get on the score sheet. And the Oilers really haven't had any of that in, in recent years. I still, that we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes with McLeod. I don't want to put too much on a rookie, but it was an encouraging start last night. Uh, I, I still kind of look at the Oilers roster and say, well, they got a pretty good top six led by the two uh, big guys. And then they kind of have a couple of fourth lines. I, I still think they need a. I still think they need a third line. So that's how McLeod can help. And I think you nailed the rocket with Kulikov. That kind of balances out the minutes a little more, because Nurse and Barry are going to play a lot. Just give me a sec here, Kelvin. Sorry, two shows in a row. I had to sneeze as I was talking. So it's the time so of year. It's that springtime so allergies, I tell you. I'm so, I'm so comfortable at home here. I'm in my sweatpants. I'm in my rocking chair. It's like I'm not even talking to anybody. Well, I may not be. <laughs> well, you're talking to me. I, I may not be. By the way, Canada's up one nothing on Sweden halfway through the first period in the U18 game. So, yeah, cool. you have Nurse and Barry, and then you have Kulikov and Larson, a more experienced kind of physical shutdown pair. And then I think we're going to see guys swapping in and out it, it, once we go towards the playoffs. Russell didn't play last night. He'll play. Jones was in. Cuckoo might play when he comes back. So it gives the Oilers more options. And maybe it makes them a little bit better as they go along. All right. Uh, Rick, I got your text. Don't worry about it, buddy. I was having fun with you. I assumed you were as well. So uh, no hard feelings, but thanks for writing back. 780-496-0063. We will check in. Oh, we haven't had this guy on the show before. Anthony Stewart, former NHL player, now an analyst on Sportsnet. We'll get some oil. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There's a McDavid perspective from him and Michael's Minute all in the next half hour of the show. games late in the third period Washington up one nothing on the Islanders Sprong has the only goal in the game it's now 5-4 
Devils leading the Flyers. They've combined for five goals in the third period. Final minute in Pittsburgh. Boston is up 3-1. Taylor Hall has scored his sixth of the season. Red Wings and Blue Jackets scoreless in overtime. They've combined for 73 shots on goal. Nobody has scored. The Rangers have beaten the Sabres 3-1. Lightning up 6-2 in Chicago. That's still in the second period. Late second period, Predators leading the Panthers 3-2. Early second period, Hurricanes up 3-0 on the Stars. Blue Jays leading the Nationals 7-5 in the seventh. Oilers and Jets tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. Game will start at 7. Uh, David uh, has written back, who, who had the comment about Tyson Berry. He says, I came in partway through the conversation, but what I heard was that you think Tyson Berry hasn't done enough to be offered a contract extension. Also, it sounded like you think he can be replaced by someone on the roster now. They don't have anyone on their roster that can do what he does for them. Okay, here, here's what I think, David, the, the, my full thoughts on Barry. So I hope you're still listening. I, I agree. I, I actually think he's been great. And, and I think that he has given the Oilers a dimension that they have not had uh, in terms of that right shot, puck mover, still helping on the power play. And, and maybe the power play won't have the percentage that it did last year, but it's still going to be pretty darn good. But here, here's how I look at the whole situation, David, and why I'm saying maybe he's not going to be re-signed. Uh, Adam Larson's going to be a free agent, unrestricted, as will Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I think we also have the now consider Mike Smith. So that's four guys who would want a significant amount of money. Uh, you know, maybe you can get Larson for around the same. Even if you get them all for around the same, um, you know, then you have to consider what happens a year down the road if you got to pay Darnell Nurse more and things like that. So what I what I was saying, David, was that if they prioritize Larson, Nugent Hopkins, and Barry, they might prioritize Barry third of that group. Not because he's a, a crappy player, because he's not. But they might say, okay, wh- who is Tyson Barry? He's primarily uh, an offensive-type defenseman who really helps on the power play. Now, Darnell Nurse has also played on the power play this year. Not as much as Barry, but he plays about a third of the time. And they also have Evan Bouchard coming in a right shot role, who's going to be younger and cheaper for the first three years of his contract. So that's why, and and as I also said, David, Tyson Berry has some control here because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, which means even if the Oilers have been offering him a contract on a daily basis, which they haven't, but he has the power to say, sorry, I'm going to shop myself around in the summer and see if there's a situation I might li- like even more in here. So that's that's the full context of what I'm saying about Barry. It's not critical of his play because I, I do think he has, I'd say his season has been a success. And for a long time in Edmonton, we've wanted a right shot, power play type specialist for the Oilers who can shoot from the point, pass the puck, all those types of things. He's done that. And they, but they might be saying, okay, Maybe next year, um, you know, Nurse and Bouchard as a tandem aren't as good as Nurse and Barry are running the power play, but maybe the year after they are. And we don't want to pay Tyson Barry more for that long. So that's why, now, look, we're talking about stuff that's most likely in the summer. Here and now, the team is good. Barry's good. Uh, let's enjoy the ride. But anyway, that's the full context of what I, what I was saying. By no means am I saying that... Uh, Tyson Berry isn't a good player or wouldn't be, you know, deserving of a good contract, but 
you know, even if he's offered an extension, he doesn't have to sign it. As an unrestricted free agent, he's going to have some control over where he goes in the summer. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, former NHL forward, now an analyst with the NHL on Sportsnet. It is Anthony Stewart. Anthony, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Well, it's nice to have you on the show. Of course, been watching you on the tube. Yes, I still call it that. I'm old-fashioned. I know it's flat now. But I've been watching you on the tube for a while, so it's nice to have you on the show. How have you enjoyed over the last few years making the transition to to, to broadcasting? Was it a, a big change for you, or did you feel pretty smooth with it? Uh, well, I didn't have any formal training, but uh, again, I was a loud guy that liked to talk in the dressing room, and uh, I guess I was sort of made for uh, doing some media. So it's been uh, a great wild ride the last couple of years and it's been great i've met a lot of great people especially within sportsnet everyone's been amazing and very very helpful so there's been some bumps in the roads but uh, i'm learning every day and i'm very grateful for this opportunity that i have now to uh you know have media be a second career for me now that i'm done playing yeah well i've enjoyed watching you now okay i gotta follow up on something you said there you said you were a loud guy in the locker room uh, was that a good thing or a bad thing, or did it depend? Uh, it came with its good and bad. I was the guy, you know, with the music getting loud and dancing around. Some of the coaches, would uh, they wouldn't be too happy about it, but uh, I think they liked it when I was on the bench, choping, you know, chirping the opposing players or the refs. I was always high on the refs from the bench, too, so it's funny. You could see some of the coaches laughing behind their coaches' cards from some of the stuff that I said. So I think it was mostly uh, positive than negative, uh, my antics as a player. Okay, so was your chirping more for comic relief or was it ever? Uh, it was always comic relief. And okay. I think my go-to was the ref. I used to call them by their numbers. So if it was 66, I'd call the ref Mario or if it was, you know, 55, hey, Murph, like settle down, Murph. So eventually the rest would catch on and uh, it, it was pretty funny. So the guys got a kick of it and the players as well. They got a kick out of it. Well, I'm sure the refs loved it too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never got a 10, so they didn't hate it that much. So. <laughs> Well, that's, that's good. Well, th thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, I mean, look, the talk of the town, well, I'm sure the talk of the NHL is McDavid's performance last night. And I mean, look, he still has a shot at 100 points, which he says he doesn't care too much about, but that'd be neat to hit that three-digit number in a shortened season. Uh, I mean, first of all, the game last night, he's, he's scoring three different ways, probably could have had a couple more. I mean, what did you think watching that? Yeah, you look at the stat sheet and you're like, oh, yeah, you had a really, really good game. But if you, if you actually watched it, you know, all three periods, like he legit could have had six goals. He had a couple of half breakaways that he missed on and a couple of good chances. And it just seemed that that third period is a little bit in uh, cruise control in the Oilers as well. So um, I'm just amazed by, you know, he can go quiet for one or two games and then, you know, maybe the media will get on him or someone else will get hot in the league and then he'll just turn it on and put up uh, an iconic performance. And it's not one or two times. I think he's done it 10 times where he's had huge games where he's put up, you know, three or four uh, four spots uh, in a night too. So he's definitely, you know, by far the best player in the world. And I've caught some flack on it saying that Matthews may be better, but there's no doubt about it. Uh, McDavid's game's on a whole other level from the rest of the league. Yeah. Well, I'm not here to give you any flack. I'll clarify that because you know, it's, 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 discussions like that are, are, are fun, I think. For sure. But, but so from your experience, and most hockey players, when they're asked about other players, of course, it's always complimentary. I hope they do well, all that kind of stuff. That's when they're currently playing. But I'm wondering from your experience, how much attention do they pay to what other players are doing and how much can that 
drive them. Okay, this guy got four points last night. Well, he thinks he's good. I'll, I'll get. I'll like. Do they think like that a little bit? Well, I don't think it's a big, big secret, but the players do pay attention to what's going on through the league. And I remember, you know, as a player sitting on the toilet with the big stat pack and looking at the different teams, Pittsburgh, and saying, hey, I think I'm better than this guy. Let me check his stats. And so everyone is well aware of what's going on, uh, whether or not they're on Twitter or watching the highlights. They're paying attention and guys in the dressing room talk about it all the time saying, hey, did you hear about so-and-so last night? And uh, even now, like even last year, our, our Hockey Central show was on TV and all the teams were watching that where you know some guys would text me hey what are you talking about uh, when you're you know chirping our power play or something like that they actually pay attention to all those little details so i got to make sure i watch what i'm saying so the players as a whole some don't but majority do uh, are aware what mcdavid and the rest of the league is doing yeah i, I mean i would think that I, I know they want team success but also any player knows the more points he gets as an individual the better the team does so of course you want as many as possible for sure Anthony Stewart joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports, talking a little bit about McDavid's big game last night, his big season, and a very interesting North Division, which is now, uh, you know, appears to be headed towards an Oilers-Jets first-round matchup. I, I know there's a couple weeks left, but it, it's gonna it's hard to see a lot of movement. Does the 6-2 season series for Edmonton mean anything whenever they face off on May, whatever it's going to be? Uh, I don't think so because the playoffs is a whole different be uh, beast. You know, teams prepare a lot differently. You know, there's going to be some guys coming back from injuries and stuff like that too. So you're a lot more dialed in. So if I'm Edmonton, I'm not just going to say, hey, you know what? We, we smashed these guys during the regular season. It's going to be a cakewalk because the Edmonton Oilers, sorry, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, they have a lot of, lot of depth. I think they have probably the best four rolling lines, I think, in the whole entire league. So they can't take it easy, right? And, you know, we saw with McDavid what happened last year in the bubble versus Chicago. They sort of shut him down a bit. So they can't just think that they're going to show up and, and win. But uh, I give the Oilers a slight edge. Um, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, when they're on, they're next to unstoppable. Uh, you got Ethan Bear playing some great hockey as well. Darnell Nurse, uh, I think he's still leading the the, uh, the defenseman uh, in the league in, in goals as well. Uh, and But Mike Smith, Mike Smith, uh, I read it today. Someone said he might be one of the team MVPs. And I'm like, you know what? The way he's playing as of late, I would say, yeah. And, and I gave him some flack saying he was a little bit too emotional, you know, too... Uh, you know, getting engaged physically with the game, but it just seems now it's motivating the Oilers to stay in the fight and not quit. And when you have a goalie that's not quitting on any shot or even in practice, he's just dialed in. I think it motivates the whole entire group too. So they got the goaltending right now. Their defense is playing well. And you got the two, you know, the top fours in the league. That's a recipe for success in the playoffs. So the Oilers, uh, I give them a slight edge over Winnipeg. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, they, they, they come out of this division. They're that good. I love how you mentioned Mike Smith because, like, McDavid's probably going to, well, he should win the Hart Trophy at this mm. point. I mean, it's hard to see it going another way. But it's funny, the the team MVP thing you brought up, because when the Oilers broke the 10-year playoff drought in 2017, McDavid won the Hart Trophy. But I think a lot of Oilers fans would have said, well, Talbot might have been co-team MVP because you, you need that strong goaltender. And even last night, Anthony, I know it was 6-1. And if you didn't watch the game or you look at the box score, you think, okay, whatever. How much of the goal? Like it could, but it could have been 2-0 Jets seven minutes into the game. And Smith has that energy and the puck handling that seems to spark the guys around him. 
Yeah, he's, he's engaged every single shot. And I'm, uh, he reminds me of a former teammate of mine in Chris Mason, where even in practice, uh, you know, you, you score on him and he's giving you the gears. So he seems like he doesn't want any puck going in and he, it's just that compete. So that just shows, you know, his fitness levels he has at his age too. You know, I know he trains in the summer with Gary Roberts, who's probably one of the top trainers in the, in the national hockey league. So uh, when you have a guy like that, especially going into playoffs where you need veteran presence and to have that in net and that athleticism and that, uh, that passion for for the position um if i'm a young guy not really you know knowing my role or trying to find my way throughout the nhl you look to guys like that that inspires you to play better and be a better teammate for the team all right anthony before i let you go uh, i want to get a story from you if i can if i can because ryan mcleod for the oilers played his first nhl game last night did pretty well got about 14 minutes uh, of ice time three for five in the faceoff circle and the team won uh, you debuted, I'm just double checking with the Panthers in 0506, mm-hmm. couple of years after you were a first round pick. Do you remember your first game or is there another early career memory that maybe stands out? More um, yeah, well, I messed up the, the rookie lap too, because I was very self-conscious and self-aware. So they were sort of, you know, you know, talking behind my back and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, ah, just go on the ice. And I was like, ah, no, is there, am I going to get a pie in the face or something wrong with my blades? So I actually delayed so long, like, you know what, forget about it. Let's just go as a group. So I actually messed up the rookie lap. And uh, I think it was against the New Jersey Devils, I think it was. And I think I had an assist. And I remember playing with uh, Gary Roberts and Stephen Weiss and, you know, just being welcome to the NHL with those guys on my line. I was definitely amazed. And I think I scored a short time later, a couple games later against the Washington Capitals. So you always remember your first game. And, of course, you remember your first goal. So it's definitely an experience, you know, 15 uh, years later, I still definitely remember it that's awesome i didn't know that that about uh, that you messed up the rookie laugh well thanks for sharing that <laughs> you know the game went pretty well despite that well thanks yeah. for checking in tonight it's good to have you on the show we'll have to do this again uh, you know i know it's busy for you so i do appreciate you taking time to join us here on chat perfect all right thanks a lot that is anthony stewart checking in tonight analyst with the nhl on sportsnet nice to have him on the show canada at the u18s looking great last minute of the first period they lead sweden four nothing shots are 18-7 for canada okay we got michael's minute final look at the scoreboard and a clip from the great one all ahead Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in to Inside Sports tonight. We have a hockey game in this time slot tomorrow for the ninth and final time in the regular season. It is going to be the Oilers and the Jets, and they are looking like they are going to play in the postseason. And to look back on some uh, memorable postseason moments between the Oilers and the Jets, we go to Michael's Minute with our Inside Sports stats specialist, Michael Carsmaker. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Reed, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, you're going to take us back to a pretty uh, memorable series between these two teams. It set the stage for us here. What uh, what, what was the storyline going into this? Well, it, it, was, it was the 1990 playoff series between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. And the Edmonton Oilers... They had something to prove because they had not won a playoff series since they traded Wayne Gretzky. And also the Winnipeg Jets had something to prove because 
in the past five playoff appearances, they had been knocked out by the Oilers. Yes, uh, the Jets has some good teams, but they couldn't get over the hump against the Oilers. It, it, it looked like they were going to, Michael. They were oh so close. Yes. They were up three games to one, and then they came back to Edmonton for game five. That's right. So in game five, the turning point of the series, Oilers were down 3-2 in the second period, and the Winnipeg Jets captain, Dale Howarchuk, had a breakaway and had a chance to maybe snap the Edmonton's back. But that did not happen because Bill Ranford made a beauty kick save to Stone Howarchuk. Then the Oilers, Mark Lamb, scored to tie the game 3-3, and the Moose, Mark Messier, scored in the third period. So the Oilers won 4-3, and that started the big comeback. Yeah, they took it in seven and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Some great memories. Michael, another fine edition of Michael's Minute. You've been a great addition to the show. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Thanks for this. Yes, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you. This was great. Right on, Michael's Minute with Michael Carsmaker. Love having him on Inside Sports from time to time. Okay, we're talking a lot today about the incredible run here by Connor McDavid. The great one, Wayne Gretzky on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. I think that the coaching staff deserves such tremendous credit. And Connor and Leon and those young men, uh, it's very similar to what sort of Mark and I and Paul went through. You just you're in a mode to survive to make the NHL and then when you make the NHL along with that comes making the all-star game and um, some individual awards and that's all exciting but ultimately what you want to do is win a championship and it takes time and you can see the desperation in the players today compared to two years ago um, that they just as much as the individual accolades have been fun, they, they want to win a championship. And I think that's the thing that I notice most about Connor and Leon. As good as they've been individually, you can tell the want in their face that they want to be successful as a team and as a group. But the better they are as individuals, the more success the team's going to have. Ultimately, hopefully leading to winning the championship. So this is an exciting time. Get that full interview. Wayne Gretzky on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Bob's page on 630chat.com. His show is on noon to 2 every day. Updating the scoreboard quickly here after 2. Lightning up 6-3 on the Hawks. Predators leading the Panthers 4-3. Still in the second period. Hurricanes lead the Stars 3-1. Caps beat the Islanders 1-0. Devils knock off the Flyers 6-4. Rangers beat the Sabres 3-1. Bruins beat the Penguins 3-1. Blue Jackets beat the Red Wings 1-0 in a shootout. I will join you at 5.30 tomorrow for the face-off show. Oilers and Jets will drop the puck at 7. Talk to you then. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.